0: Welcome to Rhonda NP's Menopause Guide Podcast with Rhonda Jollip, nurse practitioner, hormone expert, and menopause mentor. Balance your menopause experience with natural solutions and regain control to live the life you love. Let's get started. Hi, this is Chris Doctor, and I am your co-host for the Menopause Guide Podcast with Rhonda NP. I'll be joined in just a minute by Rhonda Jollip. Are you a first-time listener? Well, if you are, hello. Thank you so much for joining us today. Rhonda and I are here to help you figure out some of the most common and maybe not so common questions related to your perimenopause and menopause experience. Any of the resources that we talk about today, we'll put links in our show notes, which you can find at the website, rondanp.com. Also there at rhondanp.com, you can find our web store, where we have high quality products that Rhonda uses every day in her clinic with her own patients. You can also discover other great information on our site, like our perimenopause quiz and information about our online courses. Related to our signature course, Rhonda talks a little bit at the end of this episode and expresses just how she feels so great about what we've been able to create for our students. Personally, since I'm the Uh, operations diva for our little company, I get to help our students very closely as well and I get so much joy out of their comments and expressions of gratitude for the course. It makes it just so worth all the work it took to put this together. So are you ready? In this episode today, it's really packed about the most common symptoms to expect during perimenopause and menopause and Rhonda's top natural strategies to address them. Since this is a little bit of a longer episode, we're going to jump right in. So let's go. Okay, so perimenopause and menopause are a natural transition, yet sadly, until you're closer to this time, you aren't adequately prepared for the physical and emotional changes. So today we are—we thought it'd be a fun thing if we could create a list for our listener of some of the more common challenges that a woman may experience, and I want to put a big big punctuation on that may. You will not experience every single one of these unless you're really lucky and then you might. But we're going to go through each of these and Rhonda's going to talk about the specifics around each of these things. So, And also as a download today, we are going to have our top 10 solutions to balance hormones naturally because as you'll hear, you'll have a much easier time if you maintain a healthy lifestyle. And in Rhonda's book, she talks about her favorite top 10 ways to do this. So let's get going with the first symptom, Rhonda. And I'm sure you hear this a lot in clinic. It's that mood swings and emotional. So you kind of go from being fine to tears to angry and back again, like within the same day or the same hour even. So why does that happen? That is a really common thing
1: in number one is a good place to put that. I think it's actually worse in the perimenopause phase. And the reason for that is in the perimenopause phase, your ovaries are still trying to kick in and work for you. And they're, they're secreting out estrogen and sometimes in a very kick butt way where you'll get a burst of estrogen. And when you get that, that can really cause some mood swings. And then you have these low progesterone levels that have been kind of going on for a little while, but then these bursts of estrogen. So these mood swings really can vary from minute to minute, hour to hour, day to day. And I think more in the perimenopause phase, the mood swings tend to get a little bit better a couple of years down the road when you're not as fluctuating of hormones on a day-to-day
0: basis. And what would you say would be the number one strategy for the mood swing?
1: You know, I really think that just taking in some big deep breaths whenever it's happening, because... Usually, most mood swings are irritability, anxiety, that kind of thing. And so, you want to bring in a calm. And the easiest thing to do is to take in some big, deep breaths. And I mentioned before, but the 777, seven, seven, seven breaths in, hold for seven, and seven breaths out. And that really puts your body into a parasympathetic nervous system. And that can really calm your adrenals and calm your moods. Because most of the mood swings, and you will hear it from women that they just can't stand people, or they're just very irritable, or they just can't tolerate things. And it usually is because of that sympathetic nervous system that's just being stimulated at two little too much. So you want to calm that down. And so I think that's one of the best ways in the moment, you know, and then long-term, obviously it's the lifestyle and maybe looking at uh, my favorite supplement for erratic move swings is um, amino acid called 5-HTP. And then I've got the calm ease is another nutrient that I recommend that has L-theanine and that's a calmer and GABA and that's a calmer. And those are all amino acids that work very, very effectively. So if it's bad enough that it's happening a lot and it's disruptive, I would certainly consider going on something that's going to support your system.
0: Excellent. Just one qualifying thing here. When you say seven are you saying seven breaths out like, like Lamaze or are you oh, saying no. seven seconds out? <laughs>
1: seven <laughs> seconds. Very good. Okay. So okay. it's like seven seconds slowly. Like you breathe in two, three, four, five, six, seven, and then hold for seven. But some people can't hold for seven seconds. That's okay. But the exhale is really important and you exhale for seven. We tend to continue A lot of people can take in a big, deep breath, but they don't exhale long enough. And it's really important to get that long exhale in there. So holding it isn't quite as important as the exhale for that seven seconds is really important. Sometimes you have to just kind of really push that air out for a full seven seconds.
0: Okay, great. So the next one is sugar cravings. Now, this is a symptom, I mean, that gets worse for many women, correct?
1: Yeah, sugar cravings is actually really common. And and the reason for that is, again, when uh, your estrogen and progesterone are really going down, your adrenal glands have to take over. And the adrenal glands, our cortisol levels, really have a lot to do with our cravings. Um, so you want to, in with sugar cravings, one of the better things to do is support your adrenal glands. And I actually like B5 and b six as nutrients that can help sugar cravings because they help support the adrenal glands in a way that the sugar cravings will actually improve. And I've got a one that I've been using for years and cortical B5, B6. It's got a combination of both and women will say, oh my gosh, it really helped those sugar cravings. So again, it's more from the adrenals. So supporting your adrenal glands, uh, B5, B6 is a really good way to do that. Rest, getting moderate exercise. And really managing your stress is going to play a role in sugar cravings. Sleep is also a biggie um, for sugar cravings, believe it or not. If you are lacking sleep, your cortisol levels are wacky and that will cause increased sugar cravings. So you may notice that if you're going for a few nights without a good rest that all of a sudden you're craving all these sweet stuff.
0: Okay. So that's it. That's my problem. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. The dreaded weight gain around the middle, the ugly, disgusting muffin top that appears kind of out of nowhere. What the heck?
1: You know, and, and here's the, here's the thing about that. I, I feel really bad. You know, I've had more of a weight problem my whole life. So I've dealt with that, but I, I, I actually feel bad for those thin women that have never had a weight problem. And then they gain three to five pounds, which for heavier women, that doesn't sound like a lot, but for thin women, that is a lot of weight because it's always right around the middle. It's like, that's where it lands and it affects them. And all of a sudden they've never had a weight problem in their life, been wearing the same size for the last 40 years. And all of a sudden they can't button pants.
0: <laughs> and yes, that's it. You nailed it. The one.
1: So the, the weight gain around the middle is almost a hundred percent with menopausal women. I see it every day with almost everybody, no matter what size they are, they notice that it's getting thicker around the middle. And that really has to do with our cortisol now working again, because those ovaries aren't working. The adrenal glands take over. And those are stress glands and those stress glands, if they're not working just right, your cortisol levels will go up and cortisol will tend to hold on to fat and it's fat around the middle. And to double that up, the body when we're lacking estrogen, our body is like, oh my gosh, I don't have any estrogen. And so it wants to hold on to it to savor it. Like I need this estrogen for later or whatever. And so it will hold on to estrogen. And that is in the fat cells where it holds it on. And mostly the fat cells around this midsection. So that's the chemistry of it. It really has... Not a lot to do with if you're not exercising, if you're not eating right, because you can do everything right and still have this issue. So you have to do things differently than just um, bumping up your exercises or eating better. You really have to manage those stress glands, um, those adrenal glands, and calm yourself down get enough rest, um, do moderate exercise, not over-exercising. Believe it or not, over-exercising can create more around the midsection if you're using too much adrenaline and then that affects your cortisol levels. So um, moderate exercise, calming exercises, sleeping enough, eating a good diet. Those are all really, really important things for that weight gain around the middle because women get so frustrated because they're like, oh, look at what I'm eating. And they bring in their they bring in their perfect diet and they are exercising perfectly. And so it might be a matter of you need more sleep
0: or you need more calming things in your life. It's That's really hard for people because for, our, you know, 20 plus years, if we were bad and naughty and we gained some weight, we just, you know, we didn't eat or we exercised yes. like crazy. We're like, yeah. see, I'm better, you know, so, but it doesn't yeah. work like that anymore. So yeah. that's a good point. So okay, if so- you're not going to eat... <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can tell you it's gonna it's gonna really cause havoc in the in the long run. So please uh, don't use that tactic of not eating to gain to lose this weight because it will probably hurt you in the long run. You actually what you need is more fat in your diet with that weight gain around the middle. So my recommendations dietarily is to get a lot of fat in, especially in the morning and at lunch. And then if you have your carbohydrates, eat your carbohydrates in the evening, because the carbohydrates um, are better for cortisols during the night. So that would be my recommendation is focus on eating your fat and your proteins in the morning and lunch and throughout the day and and saving your carbohydrates for the evening. So I hope that little tip helps because that can make a big difference because it all has to do with
0: how our food feeds our hormones. Good, good point. And in uh, the book that we referenced at the beginning, I'll, we'll talk about at the end that you have a list, we have a list of the good fats in there and the healthy fats. Right, right. So we're not things. talking about eat donuts and ice cream in the morning. No,
1: no. <laughs> and the ketogenic diet is becoming really popular and and that really has the basis for this. I'm a little cautious with the ketogenic diet as being so strict because some of them, some of the plans are a little too strict on carbohydrates and we do need carbohydrates for hormone function as well, but recommendations to try and do most of your carbohydrates in the evening. And that's hard too, because our breakfast is usually are made more of carbohydrates Mm -hmm. when you look
0: at them typically. So you have to really focus on that. Okay. Number four, a possible symptom is insomnia. And I know I hear that a lot. And that's a personal challenge for me. And I know for you too, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that was the one. And I think it's because I was such a good sleeper forever. I never had issues sleeping. Some people come into my clinic and they've had issues since they were a child of sleeping and that just never was an issue for me. So I think I was bothered by it so much because I never was a long sleeper. I could get seven hours, six to seven, and be feel really rested. I slept really well. And now six hours just isn't enough, seven hours, because it's disrupted sleep. So if you can get six to seven hours of non-disrupted sleep, you can probably feel quite rested. But when you're getting disrupted sleep, you might need a little bit more sleep to catch up on that. So keep that in mind. And insomnia, again, has to do with the imbalance of hormones and in particularly the cortisol is working hard. So again, you know, looking at those dietary things that I just talked about, I really am a nice fan of melatonin, and usually two milligrams of mel- melatonin should suffice. Again, the uh, amino acid 5-HTP is another nice option for getting sleep. And then the supplement Calm that I mentioned earlier as well, that has GABA and L-theanine. Now what L-theanine is, is amino acid that actually calms mind chatter. So <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about when I say the word mind chatter, you have it. Because those that don't have it don't know what I'm talking about. Those that have it know. It's they get into bed and they start thinking about everything that happened three days ago and everything that happened today and what's going to happen tomorrow. And they cannot shut their brain down and thus cannot sleep. So the mind chatter is really calmed nicely by L-theanine. So 200 milligrams of L-theanine, which is an amino acid, is an awesome way to really calm that brain. And when you couple that with the melatonin or a little 5-HTP, that really, really works. And a lot of women do need some help here during menopause for their insomnia. So I just really, I do grab for a lot of the amino acids and melatonin. To help with that, melatonin is a hormone actually that works with in combination with cortisol. So it's really important at menopause because when cortisols are up, melatonin is supposed to be down. When melatonin down, cortisols should be up. So what's happening at night is the cortisol levels are raising and that. and then your melatonin is going down. So you want to give yourself melatonin in supplemental form to lower your cortisol levels. So they stay in this nice circadian rhythm. So it's a really nice hormonal balance for menopausal women. And I can tell you, most women respond nicely to melatonin.
0: So the next one is really significant, I think for everyone, but I would say for women who are in Big jobs, high visibility jobs, medical jobs, really anything where you have to be on your feet and on your toes, which I don't know what job you don't, but anyway, it's brain fog or brain or memory blanks or brain farts or whatever you want to call it, but you really Literally, almost in a panicked way, can't remember things you knew before. So, talk a little bit about why that happens.
1: Yeah, this was my probably my first or second most bothersome symptom. And some women will say that, "Oh, I can handle the hot flashes, but you know, this brain fog is just too much for me." And in my line of work, too, it just you know, it's hard because you have to be on your game all day long. Uh, and so that is that is an issue. Brain fog, remember, that's our brains and how we think. It's very important to get enough fluid. So increasing your fluid intake. Remember, our brain is made up of water and fat mostly. So increase your fat intake. Fat is the best food for our brain function. And increasing water intake because water is the best also for giving our brain food. So a lot of times when our brain's not working right, we might be dehydrated. So taking a big glass of water is just a really simple trick to get your fluid to your brain. And then again, fat in the morning, getting some fat into your breakfast is a really big deal for brain function and brain food. Getting enough sleep, obviously a lot of issues with sleep create other problems. And so this is one of them. If you're not getting enough sleep, a lot of times your brain doesn't work as well the next day as well. So you want to really get enough sleep, rest, manage your stress. And then some of the supplements that I use with brain fog, my favorite amino acid, I love amino acids, as you can tell, because they work so good. It's like giving your, replenishing your body with something that is lacking. And amino acid is serine. It's a big, long word phosphocetyl serine, and that actually helps for that brain clarity and brain function. And that's in our supplement cortisol manager that I that is one of my faves and that I don't live without on a nightly basis. you take it at you take it at night and you it it works during the day. So you can also take it during the day phosphocetyl serine. And it really helps great amino acid for brain clarity, brain function. And it really, I think, helps prevent dementia as well. Again, Good. the fats are very important for the brain.
0: Okay. Fat. So I'm going to combine the next two symptoms together because I know they present a lot in At the same time, in women who come and see you and other women, it's anxiety and depression.
1: Yeah. It's a really, really common thing. And again, it's hormonal changes. The foundation of our cells are made up of a lot of nutrients, amino acids, hormones, and neurotransmitters. Now, neurotransmitters are what are affected in our moods. So that's our depression and anxiety. So when you're replenishing your cells, obviously you need water in your cells for them to work. You need nutrients in your cells. You need hormones. And that all helps the whole neurotransmitter functioning. However, when you don't have the hormones, you have to maybe boost with something else. And so as you've said before, Chris, I know it's your frustration when you went in with your menopause symptoms. It was giving you Prozac. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty sad that our number one prescribed medication right now for menopause is antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications because it does help obviously because it calms those moods and it even can help hot flashes, but it's not fixing the problem. So the problem is that you're lacking hormones, and so if you choose not to go on hormone replacement therapy, you need to give your cells everything else that it can to function at its optimal. And so that is why I love amino acids for depression and anxiety, because if you're, what you're lacking is the amino acid function. You're not lacking Prozac. You're lacking amino acids. And so nutrients, getting the right nutrients, feeding your body with good food will bring, because a lot of foods have good amino acids. So again, fats and proteins contain a lot of important amino acids for depression and anxiety. So when you feed your body with the right foods, you really can go a long way supplementing with other amino acids, such as the 5-HTP that I talked about earlier for sleep, that really helps for depression and anxiety. GABA, that really helps for depression and anxiety. L-theanine is a calmer in that that whole um, calming of the brain. So those are some really great amino acids that I love, use all the time in my clinic, and get great results. But it is not just taking amino acid to fix the problem either. It's really replenishing your cells with good nutrients, managing your stress, sleeping well. All of those things are really going to help depression and anxiety. Keep in mind that our neurotransmitters, they are replenished and build up at night when we sleep. So if you're not sleeping, you probably have a 100% chance of developing either depression or anxiety or those type of symptoms. And so, sleeping is probably the number one to treat. So again, the melatonin, taking the amino acids at night, sleeping good will create this mood lifts and
0: manage your moods in the daytime. So let me ask you, the thing I was thinking about when you were talking is, you know when you have a baby and you go through baby blues, it's almost similar in terms and I'm Of course, I'm not a doctor. I have no idea what I'm talking about, but I'm just, it just struck me as, you know, it's like cyclical because you're going through this huge hormonal crazy when you have a baby and Mm -hmm. would it be kind of similar baby blues-ish? Yeah.
1: Yeah. You can liken that. What happens with baby blues is during pregnancy, we have a really high progesterone level and the minute you deliver that progesterone level drops. Okay. And so, and progesterone is a really feel good, calming hormone. And so some women that have low progesterones, a tendency, feel really good during pregnancy. I don't know if you've heard of that, but mm-hmm. I probably felt my best in my life when I was pregnant. I just felt so good. And that was part of it because you have these high progesterone levels. And if you're a woman that's lacking it anyway, when you get these progesterone levels, you feel just great. Now, those that get really sick, they have these high progesterone levels and too much of it... If can make them nauseous. So that's where you get the sickness. But the baby blues is you have these feel-good hormones going on while you're pregnant, and then boom, they're gone. Just like menopause, boom, your estrogen's out of there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so yeah, you have this, you have these fluctuations of hormones. And that's exactly what happens with your moods. Hormones are great
0: regulators of our moods. Good. Good. Okay. Okay. We have a few, we have a few more on this list, but one of the ones is facial hair. Oh no.
1: (laughs) Yeah. There's a reason why all those little little grandmas have those little hairs coming off their chins. (laughs) So what happens, the imbalance that happens if you choose not to go on hormone replacement therapy, what happens is you have a complete lack of estrogen, but your testosterone in some women will really stay up there. And so it's just the imbalance. It's not that you're creating more testosterone. It's just the imbalance of no estrogen. And now your testosterone really didn't decrease much in compared to your estrogen. And so then you develop this facial hair. And so that's a really common problem as well. Now, the thing that counteracts testosterone most the, is progesterone. And so sometimes I will tell women if it's really bothersome, you could try using a little progesterone cream right on the cheek or, or the chin. I'm sorry, wherever you're having your hair, just rub a little progesterone cream in that area. And sometimes that does work at the site. It doesn't always, but it can work. Um So that's, that's an option. Okay.
0: Okay. So the next one is uh, the dreaded hot flash, which, you know, if you look at, if you type in menopause in Google images, you get pictures of all these women suffering (laughs) with their hot flashes. So it is a very, very common symptom. It's almost
1: like the defining symptom of menopause. So it's like, I have women that say, oh, I went through menopause just fine because they never had a hot flash. Some women do not have hot flashes and other women suffer miserably. And it's just your chemistry, how you're made, and somewhat of your lifestyle that affect this. So, again, the things that I talked about getting the sleep, managing your stress, the food, the eating these are all things that are managing your hormones. And so that can really help with that. And hot flashes really is, like I say, the defining, but sometimes it can be the most bothersome to women. And other times, it's not bothersome at all. So if it is with you, the number one herb for hot flashes would be licorice root. And that is kind of the calmer of the hot flashes. Now, all the other adrenal supportive herbs work as well, because anytime you're supporting the adrenal glands, you're indirectly supporting the whole hormonal system and thus have less hot flashes. But the number one herb that sticks out kind of with hot flashes would be licorice root. And I have a favorite, uh, licorice plus, and it's got ashwanga in it because I love ashwanga. So I like that better to uh, couple it with a couple other herbs than just licorice root alone. The only thing you have to be cautious of that is licorice root can cause increased blood pressure. So if you are, you know, troubling with blood pressure, you need to really keep an eye on that if you add in
0: licorice root. Okay. I will also mention to you listening, we have a whole free mini course on hot flashes, and you can yes. find that at our website, np.com. And there's top navigation. It says menopause university are free courses. You can go through that in about an hour. And it's, it's really, it dives deep into strategies that Rhonda just talked about and, and why it happens. So the next one I know is a big challenge for a lot of folks. And again, it's kind of like this what happens when you're first pregnant, right? Fatigue for some women. So it's all yeah. kind of
1: connected. Fatigue is a really big deal. And you have to, you have to think about it like you're not sleep- it's, a, it's It's just like the combination of the whole gamut, not having hormones, not sleeping, maybe some depression, anxiety, which even makes you more tired. Anxiety can really make you tired, but just that overall not feeling well Malaise type feeling uh, is really common, and so again, this is a time in your life when you really need to start taking care of yourself more. And for some women, that doesn't come easy, and it for other women, it does, and so they do quite well. Um, but for some women that have been, you know, caregivers or always taking care of others or high end jobs or just really on this. Really, roller coaster of uh, speedy, fast life, it's really hard for them to bring that calm in. Because if your chemistry is such that you are a high energy, high anxious person, it can actually start making you a lot more tired. So it's interesting how the high energy people become almost more fatigued during menopause because their energy wears them out. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, but. It- it like, doesn't aha make a moment, moment. yes totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah yes it's it's where your energy just wears you out because you're used to having all that energy so you continue to do all the things that you used to do but your body needs to catch up and it's exhausting it's exhausting so you do need to just slow down maybe um, your house doesn't need to be as clean as it used to um <laughs> Maybe you don't need you know, your yard to be just as perfect as it used to. You need to put yourself first before your house and your yard and your kids and everything else. And so that's getting rest when you need to listen to your body. Uh, If you're tired, rest. Take naps. Oh, my gosh. Naps are the best. You know, I do acupuncture in my clinic, and they always get a little nap when I do acupuncture. And I love menopausal women that come in, and I do acupuncture, and I'm like, okay, you can wake up now. You know, and I have the lights down, and they're like, oh, that was just the greatest. And I'm like, I'm so jealous. (laughs) best nap. a a 20 minute nap in middle of the day can be the most refreshing thing for you. And there's so many studies out now that people that nap live longer. And I think this really plays a role at menopause. So if you weren't a napper before, I get it, but it's okay to be a napper. And I have to be honest, I'm not a napper. So this is not anything that I've I take one on a weekend once in a while now, but
0: I, it's not something I'm used to. Uh, we have just a few more left. We've got one, and then we've got a category that I'm going to stick together because they kind of go together. But the next one is puffiness. So I guess it's in your feet, mm-hmm. or is it all over? or We know it's in your middle.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of women do uh, retain fluid in their, in their hands and their feet, and that's... Just strictly from a hormonal imbalance, obviously if it becomes where it's like pitting edema where you push it and it stays in, you need to really seek medical attention for that because that could be a heart problem. But generalized puffiness and retaining fluid is a common thing. And it is one of those things that you have to kind of stay on top of. So, you know, I suggest a simple lemon water every morning and drinking water throughout the day and lemon, lemon is a, more of a diuretic and it's a nice natural diuretic and it works really well for this puffiness of hormonal. So lemon water throughout the day is a really good idea. Uh, progesterone cream, progesterone is a, a natural diuretic. However, if you get too much progesterone, it can actually cause fluid retention. So it has to do, it's all about balance. So that would be one thing you could try is a little progesterone cream. And I even tell women if your ankles really get swollen, just put them around your ankles and just see if it doesn't help at the site even. Some of that works for some people, not for everybody, but it's worth a try. Uh, But progesterone can really take off fluid if you're really puffy. Uh, So that is kind of the hormone that's out of
0: balance there. Okay. So the last trio of symptoms, I'm going to link them all together and let you kind of answer them as you will. But here they are. The symptoms are low libido, Vaginal dryness and urinary tract infections. So hit it. Yeah. Is. So,
1: so our list was just so you, the listeners know, our list was 14, which sounds like a lot of symptoms. But honestly, these are 14 common symptoms, uh, common symptoms. And there's a lot more symptoms actually, but these really are the. The top top fourteen, we'll call them, but yeah, the low libido, the vaginal dryness, and the urinary tract infections all go together, and it has to do with your urogenital health. It's so important, and it's it's kind of funny because we're we're most concerned about wrinkles or looking older or some outward thing, um, and so a lot of women tend to take care of their face in ways to help wrinkles and all that. Well. Keep in mind that the aging process is everywhere in your body. <laughs> and it's in that vaginal, genital, urinary area. And what happens is you lose your estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, and it, and the vaginal walls get very thin. Um, they get dry. And they can't, they, they're not very pliable. And so what happens with that is the libido then, sex drive, goes down for a couple reasons. Number one, hormones do help our sex drive. However, if you're dry and you're having pain with sex, there becomes this um, psychological part of the low libido in that you really are in the avoidance mode because it's painful. So, you do want to take care of the, your whole area down there because bladder infections become more common too. The bladder sits right on top of the uh, vaginal area. And so when the vaginal area gets dry, it can become more kind of more of a median for bacteria and you tend to get more bladder infections. So taking care of your vaginal walls will actually help your bladder. And this is true for if you are leaking or have some incontinence. When you take care of your vaginal area, your incontinence will improve as well. So it's really important. And what you're lacking down there mostly is the estrogen. And Estriol is my favorite bioidentical cream that I use with a combination of um, progesterone and sometimes testosterone. And then my favorite over-the-counter is the new Jalva cream that we have in our store that I absolutely love. It was designed by an OBGYN, and it contains stem cells from rose, coconut oil, I believe, shea butter, and then DHEA, which is a hormone that works really well in the urinary vaginal area.
0: So this is extremely important to start taking care of this area. Good, very good. So as we wrap up here, I just wanted to mention that Again, like Rhonda said, these are not, you're not going to get all these at once or even get them all, but it just is a top line review for you. And at our website, RhondaNP.com, we have a lot more podcasts, uh, blog posts, videos that Rhonda's done about a, a variety of these symptoms if you'd like to check those out. Additionally, we open our Menopause 101 course a few times a year, which is really a deep dive, comprehensive look at education about your hormones and, you know, putting together your best menopausal journey that you can. So if you're interested in that, we have a sign up uh, sheet on the site. If we're not open at the time that you're listening to this, and we will make sure to remind you and you can come check that out. So any last thing to say, Rhonda?
1: Yes. I want to mention something when you, you brought up our program, because I've been practicing for 20 years and been doing a lot of that stuff, but then I combined it all into one big program. And now since that program is out and I have it all together and I still am seeing patients, I'm loving my program more and more because it's like, oh my gosh, this is everything you need. So the program to me is, it's really the heart of everything that I ever want to tell any patient that walks into my door and says, I'm suffering from menopause. So I'm really, really excited about that. The other thing I want to mention is I, I tend to kind of ramble and throw things out and all the amino acids and things like that. And everything that I do talk about, we do have available in our store because I've used them for so long. Uh, I know the effects. I know what works. I know what doesn't. So I tend to pick, I'm I'm kind of picky about certain supplements. So the picky ones are all in the store. And they all work very well for almost all
0: people. So I'm excited to tell you about that as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. And we will see you on the next podcast. Yes. Have a great day. Thanks for joining the Menopause Guide Podcast with Rhonda NP. You'll find the show notes and other valuable information at our website, rhondanp.com. Don't worry about this menopause thing. You've got this.